Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. As I said a few moments ago, we're beginning a new series that I think is a perfect way to start this new year. And the series, series is devoted to spiritual mastery, spiritual growth. And as I've said, if you put your spiritual growth at the top of your to-do list, at the top of your priority list for 2021, everything else that is on that list will flourish and do much, much, much better just by virtue of the fact that you are making your spiritual growth a top priority. This series is very loosely based on a book that a friend of mine, Lorene Blume Edwards, introduced me to probably 10, 15 years ago. In fact, she introduced me to the author Paul Farini, who has written, I don't know, close to a dozen books by now. And the book is The Laws of Love. And I like that he lays out 10 concepts, 10 laws that he feels are key to spiritual mastery. And I will be loosely pulling from these 10 laws or these 10 uh, very broad concepts as I also share with you my take on them and how to put them into practice in our daily lives. And the starting point in spiritual mastery is an understanding of the concept of oneness. The starting point in spiritual mastery, the starting point in spiritual growth is the concept of oneness. But before we talk about what oneness is, I think we need to acknowledge why spiritual mastery is important. Why even bother? You know, there's so much other stuff in our life, right, that is demanding our attention and our responsibility, our, the investment of our time and our resources. Can we really afford to make time for this thing called spiritual growth and spiritual mastery? Why bother? Well, I think that one of the fundamental reasons or answers to that question is that most of us long for a better life, right? We long for a better life. In fact, I think that's one of the reasons that at the end of a year, as we're anticipating a new year, we're excited about the new year. And I think we're excited because we long for something better. And so most of us long for a better life. We may um, be in a period or an experience that is very difficult and painful. We might just be feeling dissatisfied or kind of ho-hum or empty, or we may have been hit by a cosmic two-by-four, and we, we just long for something better. And when we long for something better, eventually we start to ask different kinds of questions. We start to ask more of the deeper philosophical and, and deeper than philosophical, the spiritual questions. Why are we here? Why are we here? Who am I really? What am I? I have a body. Am is that what I am? I have a life, right? Is it just this life? I have a mind, but am I just my mind? Am I just my body? Am I just this life and what has happened to me and what I do? And these are the kinds of questions that, you know, we might give very quick superficial answers to, but 
But oftentimes we have to go deeper in our questioning and, and we probe deeper. And as we start to probe deeper and as we start to really ponder, you know, who am I and why am I here? And, and am, I, am I just this body? Am I just my mind? We find ourselves into, we find ourselves in the arena of spiritual, spirituality. We can't help but get there. These questions drive us there. And then we go looking for answers, right? And it's common, it's, it's very normal to go looking for answers in spiritual teachers, in books, in courses, perhaps in the religion that we were brought up in, if we were brought up in a religion. But we start questioning, we start looking for answers. And the deeper we go into our spiritual inquiry, we, we come to some very basic answers, some very basic understandings. We come to the understanding that we have a body, but we are not our bodies. We have a mind, but we are not our minds. We come to really getting that we are more than this. You are more than your mind. You are more than the life that you are living right now. You are more than the body that you are using to move through this incarnation, this experience called life. You are more than that. I am more than that. Your ex is more than that. The person that you think is the greatest on the planet is more than that. And the one that you just really struggle with, he or she is also more than that. We are of something else. You and I, the very essence of us, is of something else. And what's even more important that we understand than that we are of something else, that we are of something more, is this idea that we are one with that something more. We are not just of it, we are one with it. Let me say that again. We are not just of that something more, we are actually one with that. That's what Rumi was, I think, touching upon when he wrote, I searched for God and found only myself. I searched for myself and found only God. We are one with that. Rumi is using the word God. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, in the allegorical story of creation, part of what we are told is that we are made in the image and after the likeness of Yahweh, of God. That's the way the Old Testament writers put it. In the Kabbalah, it is referred to as the divine spark. The challenge that we have, and wars have been fought over this, is that we call that something by different names. And the path that we take to understand that something can look on the surface to be very different. The rituals and traditions and customs of that path, and I'm using the word path as almost a substitute for, for religion here. And we can look and, and say, well, that path is so different than, than mine, and those rituals and customs are so different than mine, and that name and that language and that way of approach is so different than mine. They, they must be wrong, and I must be right. And therein lies so many of the challenges that we face in, in, our, in our world. We forget that symbolically, metaphorically, there are many paths up to the mountaintop. There are many paths up to the mountaintop. But we are more than what we look like. 
We are more than what has happened to us. We are more than the bodies that we move through this life experience with, and we are more than our minds. We are of something else, and we are one with that one. We are one with that something else, and so is everyone else. And that is essential to our understanding. We are one with that one, whether we call it God, the divine, spark, the light, it. We are one with it, and so is everyone else. And where that becomes so incredibly important is when we really honestly and truly get that, that we will, it changes fundamentally how we live. We, we, we will find it much more difficult to marginalize the other. We will find it much more difficult. We won't be able to look at the other as somewhat separate from us, that what happens at the other part of the world doesn't matter because it doesn't have anything to do with me. That's not true. We are of the same essence. We all are. And we are one with that one. It is an inclusive universe. Jesus spoke to this same idea as well. He said, I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. I grew up in the Lutheran church. Many who find their way into unity did grow up in one um, form of mainline Christianity or another, but not everyone. Some have had no religious upbringing, and I always say that can be an advantage. You don't have anything to unlearn. Others have been brought up in very fundamentalist faiths or in Eastern faiths and traditions. But in Christianity, in, in the church that I grew up in, the idea of Jesus' words when he said, I and the Father are one, was that he meant that he was separate from everyone else. That was true of him, but it wasn't true of everyone else. But that's not actually what he said. That's not actually what he said. He didn't say, I and the Father are one, but none of the rest of you are. In fact, he frequently spoke of the idea that whatever I'm about, whatever I can do, so can you. So can you. He never said he was the only one who was one with the one, right? In the book, The Laws of Love, Paul Farini writes that Jesus was describing the spiritual connection we all have with our Creator, he never claimed to be the only son of God. That was the invention of others who didn't have the slightest idea what he was talking about. I think Paul Farini is right. It was the invention of others who didn't have any idea of what he was talking about. And then the church, the early church, took it and furthered it and created this tremendous separation between us and this teacher, Jesus, so that instead of following him and attempting to follow his teachers, his teachings, and living from those, we put him on a pedestal and worshiped him as if he needed that. I don't think any enlightened teacher needs to be worshiped. And I don't think that's what he asked to do. But he said, I and the Father are one. In other words, I have this understanding, this first felt immediate experience of the ineffable. I get that I am one with it, and so are you. And when you get it, that you will not only change your life, you will begin to work to change and improve the lives of those around you. We are all one with the one, and the one is to be found within. 
The oneness to be found within. But often that is the last place we look. Remember, I think it was a country and western song that was popular, I'm, not, I'm gonna date myself, quite a while ago. Looking for love in all the wrong places. Well, we could substitute that word love and say looking for God in all the wrong places. God is to be found within. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, comes not with observation. They won't say, lo, it is here, lo, it is there, for it is within. There is an ancient Hindu legend that says there was a time when all men, when all people knew that they were gods, but they so abused their divinity they so abused their divinity that the chief god, Brahma, decided to take the divinity away and hide it in a place where they would never find it. And so the challenge became where to hide man's divinity so he would not find it. And the chief god, Brahma, called to him his lesser gods and, and asked, where do we hide it? Where do you think we should put it? And they thought about, well, maybe we should put it at the highest mountaintop. And Brahma said, no, man will eventually climb the highest mountaintop, and so he will find it. Well, then maybe we should put it in the deepest part of the sea. No, man will eventually probe the deepest part of the sea, and we'll find it there. Well, maybe the deepest part of, of the earth itself. No, that won't work either, because man will eventually explore even the depths, the core of planet Earth itself. The only place that we can hide it where man will never find it, is deep within himself. And there is so much wisdom, really, so much truth in that story, because we, you know, it's one thing to look for a teacher, and I think it's important to have a teacher in anything you want to master, whether it is a martial art, or, or music, or a language, or anything that you want to master, including spiritual understanding. Teacher is very helpful. A good teacher is very helpful. But ultimately, that teacher has got to help you find within yourself your own talent, your own connection. Because if that teacher, and if that teacher has a relationship with you where he or she feels they need to always be there with you, they are in a way crippling you from developing your own strength, your own stamina. Why is it that, that we often look last, the very place that we need to look first? Why is it that turning within to experience that divinity, to experience that connection, is often the last place we look? was thinking about this just yesterday, that, well, maybe it's because we doubt ourselves, we don't trust ourselves, or maybe we believe that, that we are damaged goods. Maybe we even grew up in a church that told us if our lifestyle was a certain kind of lifestyle, that we were born, that there was something wrong with us, or we've taken the, the church belief that we are born in original sin, and therefore we feel dirty or unworthy. Those things aren't true. But it doesn't mean that we haven't, that some of us haven't accepted that or believed it. Maybe we, we know it's going to take an awful lot of work and time and we just don't want to do the work. Or maybe we're hoping that somebody else can do it for us. Somebody else can grow, our, grow us spiritually for us. Or that somebody else did it for us. And if you think about it, in a way, that's 
the essence of this idea of Jesus being Savior, that Jesus did it for us. No, and I know if you come from a traditional church, this is, might be hard to hear or contrary to hear. He didn't do it for us. Our spiritual growth is our spiritual growth. It doesn't take anything away from who and what Jesus was as a master teacher. But our journey is our journey. Others, whether it is Jesus or any other spiritual teacher, others can point the way. Others can point the way, but they can't walk the steps for you. They can't establish your relationship with God, whatever you choose to call, to call God. It's like they can, somebody else can describe, can describe to you what food tastes like. They can describe it with exquisite perfection. They can paint a detailed picture of it for you. But until you actually taste it yourself, you won't know. You won't be able to really know what that tastes like. And this is why you hear from me so often how essential spiritual practice is, how essential it is to have that daily time of stillness and quiet, learning to quiet that busy mind, learning to move beyond this sense of yourself as a body, this sense of yourself as a mind, and experiencing the depths of yourself as a spiritual being. It's one thing to know about God. It's one thing to know about the divine. It's another thing to know God. It's another thing to know the divine. You may know about a star or a celebrity that you admire, but that's not the same thing as if you actually had a relationship with them. It's the difference between you don't just know your life partner, you just don't know about your life partner, you actually know your life partner, right? And how do you know your life partner? You know your life partner or you know your best friend because you spend time with them, because you listen to them, you make time for them, you're fully present when you are with them. And when you do those things, you do those things well, and you do those things over time, you can't help but have a deep connection. You can't help but know your friend. In all that I've just described, you can substitute the word friend for God or for spirit. When you spend time, when you listen, when you are fully present, as fully present as you know how to be, you will have that relationship. Farini writes, the spiritual law of oneness says that the essence of you lives in God. I would add, not in someone else for you, but in you as you. He goes on to say, it is the way, the truth, and the life you must align with and follow. No one else can give you the answers or bring you to the truth. You must come to it voluntarily. You must claim your connection with the creative essence within the place where you make this claim is the real temple. It's not an outer place. It's not a place in the world. It is a place in your heart and in your mind. It is a holy place because it is where you meet with God. No other place in the world is as holy as this one. For in this place alone can you find sanctuary. Longfellow said, glorious indeed is the world of God around you, but more glorious the world of God within you. To experience the world of God 
to experience a world of spirit within you requires consistently and regularly stepping out of your normal routine, getting quiet, getting still, emptying your mind as much as you can, and listening, and listening. Osho said, my message is simple, that I have found the God within me. My whole effort is to persuade you, look within, the master cometh. Yes, it is possible. Yes, he comes, and he does not come from the outside. I love the words, he explodes from within. You and I, in the busyness of our lives and in just the laziness sometimes of making our spiritual practice a priority, we may forget this divine spark, this God spark, but it is always there. It is always there. It is my prayer that this is the year that you make a true commitment to and stick with that commitment to make your spiritual growth a top priority. And it begins with you saying to yourself, I will carve out the time every single day to sit in silence, to open my mind and heart, to explore the depths of the realization that I am more than my body, I am more than my mind, I am more than the life that I have lived or am living now, I am more than my past, I am more than my woundedness, I am more than my problems, I am more than all of this. I am one with something else. And I am one with that something else, as is everyone else one with that something else. If you will make that commitment to yourself, you will find that everything else this year falls into place with much more ease and much more grace. Put this at the center of your life, and it will influence everything else around it. Namaste. Namaste.